it can be really difficult for women to find reliable nutritional supplements to really help them reach their goals. About nine years ago, Mom Sanity was born, and my business partner Debbie and I have spent the last five or six years focused on creating and developing really great-tasting, nutritionally clean, dairy-free, gluten-free, junk-free, artificial-free products to serve women and their families. At Mom Sanity, we make dairy-free protein powder called Mom Fuel, clean BCAAs to help energize your day, and craving cocoa to help you satisfy those nighttime cravings without devouring the pantry. I welcome you to check everything out at shop.mymomsanity.com. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Healthy Discourse. It's Emily here, and today I am going to be doing a solo episode because I just turned 40 when this episode airs, and wow, what a crazy time, right? Like, birthdays with zeros are just a big deal, and uh, I'm a huge fan of celebrating birthdays. I love celebrating people. I'm terrible at remembering birthdays. But I love celebrating people and people's lives um, that are around me that are close to me because I love people and I love my friends and I, I want to be able to share encouragement and celebration because everyone is worth that. And so keep celebrating your birthdays even if you don't like the number is what I'm trying to say. So just uh, this past weekend, um, had a, a gathering of just a lot of friends. I never call it a party. I do it every year where I just invite a bunch of friends to come and hang out and that's always a great time. So um, yes, here I am at 40. And so today I wanted to share with you um, actually some information from a blog post that I shared through Mom Sanity that I just kind of sat down one day and I prayed and then I jotted down some major life lessons that I've learned over the last decade. And it's important to turn to point out that I was 30 when I had my first child. So I entered the, my 30s um, with, as with, I guess I was very pregnant when I turned 30. And I am leaving my 30s with a nine-year-old, a seven-year-old, a six-year-old, and an almost four-year-old. And so obviously a lot has happened in our family since then. My husband was just beginning his career as a quote, real doctor when I turned 30. And we had a lot to celebrate that year, just like we do this year. And so here are my 20 lessons and life tips that I've learned over the last 10 years. Then you can take this or leave it and you might disagree with me on some of these things. And that's totally fine. I just wanted to kind of share my heart as I consider a decade's worth of life lessons and arguably the 30s are a time of huge growth because that is a time that a lot of us are starting and building families and careers and all of that kind of thing. So a lot of life happens in those 10 years. So let's just start with number one. Age really is just a number. And I hear that from people from all ages because it's true. And when I think back to 10 years ago, um, Sure, I didn't have knee wrinkles, and I actually had just been a a fitness competitor and that kind of thing, and, um, you know, fitness was kind of everything to me at the time, and now 
I'm maybe a little less chiseled. I certainly don't do fitness competitions anymore. But overall, I am really strong. I'm really energetic. I'm ready to tackle each day. And I will never buy into the lie that any health problem or anything that has happened to me is simply because I'm older. And so I think that's important for us. And healthy discourse listeners will understand that because we talk about these things all the time, especially when we're talking about hormones and stress and and um, interventions and that kind of thing that uh, we can be our our own best advocates when it comes to our health and we shouldn't settle for feeling like junk every day. And so age is a number. You don't feel like junk because you're old. And so if you feel like junk, it's time to figure out why and maybe make some lifestyle changes. And um, maybe, maybe it's just time to go see a new doctor or something like that too. Okay, so these kind of jump all over the place because I literally wrote them as I thought of them. The second thing is that true friendships include accountability. I used to think that friendships were most important when someone validated everything that I did or said. And what I've realized is that true friends really keep us accountable to all the things that matter. And so I don't want a friend who is going to constantly agree with me and to just always think that everything I do or say is amazing. We need friends that we can be fully transparent with, but that also help us to grow as individuals, grow closer to Jesus, help us point out our sin and understand that, that sure, we we can confess things to one another, but not just because we want someone to brush it off and say, oh, well, that's just because you got a bunch of kids and oh, well, that's just fine because you're a mom. Obviously, there's a fine balance here because grace is incredibly important and we need to remind each other of grace as well. But if we need to recognize our struggles and friendship can be great with that and friends can help us to see our blind spots and help to encourage us and lead us and pull us back in in the right direction with love and grace. And so that's the kind of friend that I want to to have. And that's the kind of friend that I want to be. And certainly I have friends that um, did want to just be, you know, encouraged that everything was fine and everything you do is fine all the time. And and, and honestly, I feel like that's just really shallow. and, And those relationships don't usually go very deep or last very long. Number three Marriage requires time and effort, and I know we talk about this a lot. If you follow Mom Sanity or, um, you know, or even just anything that we do personally, we we put our marriage, we, we make sure that we carve out time every week to spend time together away from our kids. We have four kids, and the more kids that we have, the more demanding our lives and careers become, the more imperative it is for us to focus both time and effort into our marriages. And that doesn't always mean a fancy date night. So please don't hear me that way. That means making sure that we're setting aside little chunks of time every day to not necessarily every day because that's impossible, but frequently to sit down and have conversations and talk and catch up and not just be fly, you know, oh, you're watching the kids, now I'm watching the kids, and you're doing that thing, I'm doing that thing, did this bill get paid? Those things can take up so much of our lives that we don't ever invest in our relationship 
or very, very infrequently. And anytime that we have struggled in our marriage or those that I love and support have, it always comes down to not having that investment of time spent on a regular basis. And so that's the biggest thing. It's, it's the time and the effort and prioritizing, and that requires both people. Okay, number four, boldness and meekness, excuse me, boldness and meekness can coexist. So I used to think that boldness and meekness were opposites. And as I've matured as a person and in my faith, I've realized that we can be both bold and gentle at the same time. And in fact, I think that that's the model that Jesus showed us. And that's the most effective way to communicate and to love others. Uh, Boldness to me is remaining firm in my convictions and pushing aside fear in order to express them. But to be effectively bold, we must also be gentle and loving with the way that our boldness is shared with others. And that's where that meekness comes in. And so meekness is not weakness. I like to define meekness as power under control. So when I am going to be bold and I'm going to exhibit the strength and I want to stand on truth, then I need to deliver that in a way that is that keeps whatever um, that, that power or that... Um, Uh, incredible boldness, it has to remain under control in the way that it's delivered in order to be most effective. And so that's something that I don't think we ever become perfect at, but it's something that is important and something that I want to continue to grow in. Number five, collaboration is better than competition. I used to get stuck a lot in a comparison, uh, the comparison trap with many areas of my life. And what I've realized is as women, we're often threatened by other women's successes, even though we cheer women on and say, oh, it's so great, like women empowerment, whatever, which I have my own thoughts on that. We have a whole episode on that. Um, What I've learned is that there's room for everyone. And most often, the more we can collaborate and work together in common purpose, the more that everyone thrives and we can love and serve others best when we're working more collaboratively even with what we might feel are our competitors. Um, everyone has something to bring to the table, and there is no scarcity with in God's kingdom, and that's how I strongly feel about that. Um, number six, this is for all the moms, motherhood is a long-term investment. So as I said, I started my 30s with zero kids. I'm ending, I'm going into 40 with four kids. My oldest is nine, so he's kind of moving into those transitional years, and what I realize is, you know, I kind of went into this thinking, of course, like I'm going to, I'm going to discipline, I'm going to, I'm going to correct their behavior, and then they're going to do it, right? Uh, No, (laughs) I've never once accomplished a goal in parenting in one moment, one day or one week. And it's important to remember that those tiny investments as challenging as they might be of love and discipline over and over again, are what actually help us to what seat to help point and shoot our children toward Jesus and and hopefully in his grace to see the fruit of our labor as we as we grow. Um number 7, God is in the small stuff. Um it's very easy to look and consider the really big moments of of 
you know, where, you know, God really showed up and that kind of thing. And what I'm learning is that looking for him in the details and the small moments, when we consider those and we remember how good he is and that we deserve nothing and we see these small little moments that he that he shows up and is working, it's just it, it just can give you me chills on a daily basis because there's always something to see. We know from his word that he's he never stops working. All of his promises are true and um, that we can we can fully surrender and depend on him. And it's in those little small moments where sometimes I just will catch myself and feel really overwhelmed with emotion because of the the gifts, the relationships, the experiences, those just little things, those connections, the ways that he weaves lives together that never ceases to amaze me. And we need to honor and glorify him for that. Not just those big mountain moments, because those are far and few between. If we're just waiting for those, then we're going to miss so much. Uh, Number eight, unstructured time is imperative. So I used to think that weekends needed to be full and bustling with activity. And now we really enjoy and slow down our time together more than anything else. Like our Saturdays, it's very rare that we have a structured Saturday. And on Sundays, we go to church and oftentimes we go to lunch with friends afterward. And then the rest of that day is incredibly unstructured too, because we all need that downtime, the Sabbath, the rest. And I'm really grateful that my, that God kind of changed my heart in that and that I can just you know, we just kind of allow ourselves just to be together as a family. And there's so much fruit that can happen from that. Um, Number nine, my greatest responsibility as a mom is to point my kids to Christ. And truly nothing else matters. And I'm talking about their grades, their accomplishments, their abilities, any sports, any, anything, anything else. So yes, I want them to work hard and to be productive citizens but if they don't know Jesus, they have nothing, and that's literally all that matters. And so any accomplishment, anything that will, again, fill our time, we have to always, we all have to always look at this from a perspective of, is this going to help us as a family to grow closer to Jesus, or could this time investment or this thing or this this activity end up pulling us all away? And that's something that doesn't always have an easy answer, but it's an, it's an important question to ask. Um, number 10, older kids are awesome. So everyone has always told me that I would miss the little years and I love babies. I love looking back at pictures of my kids when they were babies and toddlers, but I really adore having real conversations and, and experiences with my boys as they're getting older. And as I said, I really cherish all those memories, but watching them love and um, grow and mature and be able to understand and talk about uh, new concepts and, and understand each of their gifts and perspective of the world has just been really fun. And I know that the teenage years are coming and I might have a completely different opinion, but when I think about that, I try to really consider what I'm trying to invest in and instill now so that those years will by God's grace, be a little bit easier, maybe. I mean, fortunately, I have a lot of friends who love their teenagers a lot. Not, of course, everyone loves their teenagers. Love the teenage years a lot. And so, um, and I and I think that I understand what those challenges will be, but 
I pray for to be equipped as those years come because I'll end my 40s with a 20 year old. So there's that. Um, number 11, God rewards obedience. And what I what I think we do a lot of times is we, we try to fit the world into our faith and we want to do the thing that makes sense. And we, we can justify the thing that makes sense from a worldly perspective because it's not sinful or terrible. But sometimes there's just things that big things and little things that we're called to and literally all that he's asking for is obedience. And some of the hardest things that I've said yes to are now my greatest blessings. And our calling and our purpose might not always seem valuable to the world and that's okay. Um, obedience is very, very rewarding. And knowing that we said yes, even if we don't see a ton of fruit from that thing, or if it's completely backward in the world's eyes, that's totally okay. Uh, number 12, asking questions is better than having answers. So again, Jesus sets this example in, in God's word a lot. He asked a whole lot of questions. And I find that in parenting, in marriage, in work, and in friendship, asking questions instead of having all the answers is so incredibly rewarding, helpful, and fruitful, and oftentimes eliminates a lot of heartache and discouragement and um, relationship challenges because when we understand each other, then we can usually work toward um, coming to a common agreement much more easily than if we feel like we just have all the answers. Number 13, when my husband feels respected, I also feel loved. And, you know, these things just absolutely go together. Our husbands need to feel respected. Um, that's, you know, the, our, the, our call in, in marriage in, in the book of Ephesians tells us that um, you know, wives are to submit to their husbands and husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church. And those things are not mutually exclusive. They go together. It is all one little chunk of verses that are meant to go together. And so, you know, biblical submission is a beautiful thing. And I, when I am respecting my husband, it is a lot easier for him to love me. And when he is loving me, it's a lot easier for me to respect him. And so those things, they, they really do, it kind of is that pyramid of as we grow closer together, I, I'm sorry, as we are growing in that triangle, if, as we are both growing closer to Christ, we're growing closer together. And this is really the mechanism that helps that to happen. Um, number 14, we don't have to share everything with everyone to be effective. In the name of authenticity in our world today, we become really good at just oversharing everything. We just like spew it all. And I love the think test. We use this a lot in our house as far as what we should or shouldn't say. And the questions are, is it true, helpful, inspiring, necessary, and kind? If not, then we need to stop and pray and reevaluate and think about why is this something that I feel like I need to share? Am I being gossipy? Am I putting somebody down? Am I just spewing for no reason? And it's obviously we can quickly look at, at social media and see how this sometimes can backfire and not go so well. Um, number 15, and I've shared this before, but it, it should be shared again. This is something that our lead pastor at our church, Brandon, says all the time. You can only be loved to the extent that you're known. 
So true biblical community includes people that understand your brokenness, they know you fully, and still point you toward Christ. When we hide sin and heartache and, and past experiences that maybe were really difficult, but those are the things that have shaped us into where we are in this moment, it's really difficult for others to love us well. And so that, that, that creates that sense of isolation, which kind of leads to that whole, um, I have to figure all this out myself kind of thing. And, and I think we live in a world where so many people feel isolated and alone, and, and it's because we don't do this well. We, we don't, we do a lot of things in the name of authenticity, but a lot of times we do that covering the ugliest parts of us and the most challenging parts of us. And I, I don't think that that actually works best when we're truly wanting to find community. Um, number 16, <clears throat> this is very controversial these days. God is gracious and merciful and he hates and punishes sin. And we've been talking a lot in our family lately about sin and repentance because I think it's really important. We live in a culture that talks a lot about grace and mercy and love and, and, and Jesus being gentle and lowly and all those things. And of course, he is all those things. But he is both love and judge. And he hates sin and all sin is punishable by death. And we're taught that in God's word. But for some reason, that part gets left out a lot anymore. So our culture gets us really confused. And what we do is we, we become focused on self-love and self-care and self, all these things, creating self as God, and then having that sprinkling of the loving Jesus in there too. And the truth is that only leads us to destruction. And so we, we've, been, we've been focusing a lot of, on just discussing our sin and, and talking about repentance and how that pulls us back into, to God. And that's so incredibly important that we get the whole story. Uh, 17 is that fitness looks different in different seasons and that's okay. So I still would consider myself a, a fit 40-year-old. Like I said earlier, I feel strong. I feel healthy. I'm still able to do the things that I want to do. Um, but I, I did. I started my 30s as a gym rat. I was in the gym all the time. I had to lift X amount of, of heavy weights or else it wasn't effective. And now, you know, I, I get it done. I work out at home almost all the time. My workouts are shorter um, I've gotten back into running. I stopped running for a while, even though I love it because I, you know, for physique purposes, run. In, in case you didn't know this yet, running for physique purposes and like trying to look good is probably not the best exercise for you to do, but I really love it and I'm making it work in, in every stage of life and just, you know, I'm listening to my body. I'm not doing as much jumping and plyometrics and that kind of thing anymore because, yes, joints do change over time. But like I said, overall, I feel great. And it's totally fine for my routine to change and for it to not be what it was when I was 30. So number 18 is something I talk about so much and everything that I teach is consistency and everything matters and will ultimately lead to results. We are such an immediate gratification culture. We don't stick with anything. And, you know, when, I'm, when I say this, the consistency, I'm talking about everything from time in God's word to uh, consistently exercising to consistently investing in relationships to consistently um, having mostly good, moderate nutrition to saving money, all of it. And um, 
we we have a saying that uh, moderation isn't sexy but it works and that's really kind of focused on health and wellness and but it's but it's so true and consistency truly pays off and so stick with it whatever it is stick with it uh, number 19 you will never make everyone like you and over the last two years in particular I think any last people-pleasing tendency that I had, which I I grew up having a lot of that, is kind of gone. Uh, ultimately, it leads to defeat because we will never be everybody's cup of tea. And we live in such a divisive wor- world now that we will drive ourselves crazy trying to please everyone, literally. Now, I don't mean, remember, let's go back to that boldness and meekness. I don't mean that we should be ugly and hateful to people by, by any means. But the truth is we work for an audience of one. When we stay in God's word, we pray continually, we we surrender all of it and then walk as he alone leads us. Then again, that goes back to that obedience thing. And when we're obedient to Christ, not everyone's going to like us and not everyone's going to understand us. And we're going to be called all kinds of names for all kinds of different things. And the truth is we, we have to get to a place where, where it, it, it doesn't necessarily ever feel good and like, oh, this is so great. This person hates me. But it doesn't hurt as badly because we ultimately know that we are walking on that path where he's leading. And number 20 is something that just happened recently, which is get a puppy. So I'm turning 40 with this new little puppy. Her name's Maisie. She's in fact laying right here beside of me. She's my new shadow. And Um, it's kind of a long story how we ended up getting a dog, but ultimately it was not in our plans. And usually we do kind of think about these kinds of things and plan them for a while. But, uh, we found a dog at the park that was not our dog. We took care of it for a few days, found the owner and our boys were so responsible with the dog. We were blown away. And so we had planned to wait a couple more years to get another dog because ours actually passed away earlier in January. And instead we have a puppy and she, her name's Maisie, and she's being taken great care of, and she's really brought a lot of joy into our family, and um, on the other hand, I would never recommend a new dog to anyone that has babies and toddlers, and you're already trying to, like, keep up with all of that, and train a dog, like, that seems like way too much to me, so um, our youngest, as I said, is about to be four, and even he can help with a dog, so it's great. Um, So those are my 20 things, and I, as I've actually after I've read this, like I've thought of probably five or 10 more because there's a decade is a long time and we learn a lot of things in that, in that period of time. But these are the big ones. And I'm so grateful for you all for listening. We really appreciate our healthy discourse audience and hope you'll follow us on social media. We just started our social media maybe a month ago and uh, we're, we're growing that. If you've got an episode that you would like for us to address Um, If you've got a question about anything health or culture related, we've got great resources and folks that we can bring in to discuss all kinds of things. So thank you so much for joining me. And I hope that um, you got a little bit out of this episode. And again, we thank our listeners and I'll look forward to catching up with you soon.